0: Yeah, in 1964 the Pew Research Center found that 77% of Americans, Americans, this was an American statistic, trusted their government. That's over 3 quarters. By 2023, the percent percentage of Americans who trusted their government had fallen to 16% national average, and for some demographics as low as percent, And currently, according to a survey by Pew Research Center, only 1% of Americans say they trust their government to do what is right just about always. 1%. Current Canadian statistics are not as easy to come by, but I'm sure they're fairly similar. In other words, people's views of authority figures are deteriorating. But let's... Let's think like a child for a moment. I have a grandson who's a few months older than three years old, and he's a delight to us. We love spending time with him. And he completely trusts his mommy and his daddy, he completely trusts his grandma and his grandpa. Completely trusts. In fact, young children are likely to more easily even feel awe towards authority figures, not just just trust, but awe in them. Let me share a very silly example of this if we want to sort of get into the mind of a child. When I lived in Michigan, there was a local TV show called Bozo the Clown. Now, different U.S. cities Kyle had their own bozos. There was Bozo the Clowns in different cities, but each one was a local show filmed locally, different people playing bozo. And I loved Bozo. I used to watch that show. I was five years old probably at the time, like around that age, kindergarten age. I, I loved watching the Bozo the Clowns show. He had an audience full of kids who sat in bleachers and, and they got to participate in the show sometimes. It was a lot of fun to watch. He had funny antics. Then one day, my parents bought my sister and I tickets to Bozo the Clown, and we got to go on the show. We got to sit in those bleachers, and it was amazing. We got to see Bozo up close. We were were there, in person, live. And I got selected to play musical chairs, (laughs) along with some other kids. So... I came down from the bleachers. That means I got to get even closer to Bozo. And we're going around the circle of chairs. And the music is playing. And I can remember. I I clearly remember. I was... Sort of, I I was sort of a tactile kind of learner, and 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 I would, I was touching the chairs as I was going around. I just kind of tapping the chairs as we were going around as the music was playing. And suddenly, as I was coming around, getting closer to Bozo, he made eye contact with me. Bozo made eye contact with me, and and I and I I made eye contact with him. And as I got closer, he leaned into me. He was going to say something to me. Bozo is going to talk to me. And he said. Don't touch the chairs. <laughs> my awe instantly turns to regret. I had disappointed Bozo the Clown. I was hoping to win a prize from that game, but now I disappointed him. So I was extra careful from that point on to not touch the chairs, and I would keep my eye on him to see if he noticed that I was doing good now, if he, if he approved of my behavior, as I didn't touch the chairs anymore. Well, I lost the game. I eventually got back into my seat. But what that illustrates is not only a respect for authority in that very young child's mind, because this was Bozo's show. that He was in charge, and I was going to do whatever he asked me to do or not do. Because I felt awe toward this celebrity, toward this, this, this Bozo the clown. But as we grew older, and as this world worsens, people's attitudes towards authority deteriorate. And people not only express resistance to authority, but even scorn, even contempt. And yet Jesus says, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. He wants us to think like little children and to have that trust that we're meant to have in him. This sermon will be about the ultimate authority figure. We're continuing our sermon on the adventures of Acts. And this sermon is about the need to make that change to put our trust in Jesus. As Lord of all, because he's God. This sermon will will be about the first sermon that was ever preached in the book of Acts. Preached by a man named Peter, one of the first followers of Jesus. And as Peter told people about what Jesus had done to save us from the consequences of all the wrongs that we'd done. He cried out, Peter cried out, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Now, is the world today any less crooked than it was then? I suspect it's more crooked because Jesus said things are going to get worse. So Peter told his listeners, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He was appealing to them to save themselves from the crooked generation by calling on the name of the Lord. But to be saved by Jesus means you have to put your trust in Jesus, as that authority figure in our lives that He is meant to be, if every one of the one of us did that, we would experience great blessing, great favor from God. Last week, we looked at what happened on the day of Pentecost when God, the Holy Spirit, came and filled Jesus first followers. In fact, we had a wonderful time last week as we invited people to come forward who were hungry for more, more of God, more of his Holy Spirit, wanted to be filled again and again because they may have been filled before, but just wanted more. They were spiritually thirsty. It was so encouraging to see about a third of the congregation, about a third of the people in the room coming forward, asking for prayer, and God touched them. God met them. God gave words to people that had come up front and encouraged them. But if you heard last week's sermon, you may recall me saying that Jesus had a mission on his mind when he promised us the Holy Spirit. He had a mission because he had a world in mind that he had died for. If every one of those 25 people who came forward last week was filled with the Holy Spirit... What does that mean for our everyday lives? What does it mean when God reaches out and fills us? It means that we are now on a mission for God every day of our lives. Now I'm going to read a passage today. I'm going to read all of Acts chapter 2 verses 5 to 41. Which includes what Luke records from the sermon Peter preached. Although Peter's sermon was definitely longer than what's recorded here because Luke records at the end of it that he says with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them. Reading this sermon from the pages we'll read from actually only takes like less than five minutes. So we know Peter likely preached longer than five minutes. And it's as he continued to exhort them with many other words. So let's turn if you have a Bible here. Um, to Acts chapter 2, and it, or if you have a Bible app, some of you have apps on your phones, you can read it from your phone, or I've given a handout, you can read it from there. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together. The sound he, he's talking about here is what we talked about last week, the sound of the wind and the, and the fire as the Holy Spirit came and touched Jesus' disciples from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling us in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath